0: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and
1: customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello everyone, Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio back with another amazing episode. This one is sponsored by our friends at Salesforce. Be sure to go to our show notes at www.amazingbusinessradio.com to find out more. Excited today because we're bringing back Annette Franz who's been with us once before and I hope she's with us uh, many more times after this. She has a lot to share about. We're going to be talking about really getting the customer into the customer experience and listening to the customer, getting feedback. So I thought this would be an interesting topic as uh, my short little monologue before we get into the interview. And that is, uh, I want to just cover this concept that complaining customers aren't looking for excuses. And you'll see in just a moment that the server that was taking care of us at a restaurant really wasn't listening to what I was saying. So it wasn't that long ago I was out with some friends and we're at this pretty well-known place listening to music and just kind of hanging out and chilling. And one of my friends said that she wanted something chocolate. So she ordered a piece of chocolate cake. A few minutes later it came and she took her first bite. Now you could tell by looking at her facial expression she was not happy. She said it tasted very dry. Now, not what she expected. So I tried, and she was not kidding. It was worse than dry. It was like chocolate-flavored sawdust is the best way I can describe it. Eventually, the server came back over and looked at the cake and saw that it was barely touched, and other than the two very small bites that were missing from the corner. She noticed two forks that were laying on the plate next to the uneaten piece of cake and asked if we were finished. And I said... Yes, we were. And by the way, it was very dry. Without batting an eye, the server responded, it's a European-style dessert. I'm not sure exactly what that meant, (laughs) but she picked up the dessert and she walked away. So I looked at my wife and I thought to myself and then I said out loud, I may be out of line here, but I don't think she handled that very well. And my wife, who knows me knew that I'm acutely aware of all customer service issues. And of course I am. That's what I do for a living. So she said, I see this is going to be an article in the making. And by the way, what I'm talking about right now, I did use as an article in my shepherd letter. Which is my weekly newsletter. Anyway, what that meant is that she validated my thoughts, and that the server showed no empathy about what was really happening. She wasn't really listening, and she felt uh, that uh, I felt that her explanation was really—it uh, wasn't an apology. It was kind of an excuse that would cover up for why the food tasted as bad as it did. And by the way, there was no offer to get us something else or even take the dessert off the bill. She knew we weren't happy. So two big lessons here. And I told you we're going to be talking to Annette about listening. And the first lesson is read between the lines. When a customer says something negative about your product, it's more than just a statement of fact. It's basically, it's a complaint. And when I said the cake was dry, I was actually complaining about it. I mean, she could have said, oh, when I said the cake was dry, she could have said, oh, did you like it dry? And I would have said, no, of course not. Anyway, good servers or anyone who's dealing with a customer and hears a statement like the one I made would recognize that I wasn't happy. So listen to what your customer says, what they do, their behaviors, body language. I guess it's more than listening. It's observing. So number two. An excuse is not a substitute for taking action. When a customer complains, they aren't looking for an explanation or an excuse. They're looking for some type of reaction that leads to action. It might be an apology, an expression of empathy or understanding, or I would think, very important, an attempt to fix the problem. So keep in mind that when a customer says anything negative about your product or service, don't just Listen, take action. It's your opportunity to prove you're listening and can give the proper response. Fix or eliminate the problem or complaint. And as important as anything, prove that you're in sync with your customer, customer, you're listening to your customer, and that you care about your customer. All right. Short little lesson there. When we come right back, when we will be right back, we'll be talking with Annette Franz, who's going to talk to us about listening, about journey mapping, and about keeping the customer in the customer experience. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it, and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So... What can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, How to Create a Customer Service Experience that Disrupts the Competition and Creates Fierce Loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's it's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution.
0: This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken.
1: We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you in another amazing, amazing interview, I can talk. I really can. And <laughs> well, there's a lot of A's here because Annette is back. So uh, the amazing Annette Franz is back. She was here, gosh, well over a year ago. We talked a lot about customer journey mapping, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but mostly what we're going to talk about is putting the customer back into the customer experience or making sure we do put the customer back into the experience before we even start. So quick background on Annette Franz. She is the CEO of CX Journey, Inc., and she has over 25 years of experience in both helping companies understand their employees and their customers and identifying what drives retention satisfaction engagement all the things that we're interested in doing and she says she's been doing it for 25 years but i tell you she must have started when she was four and a half because (laughs) i know she's laughing we just had dinner about a month or so ago when i was in la and uh, it's always great to hang with her and i learn a tremendous amount whenever i'm around her and uh, we're going to learn from her today so annette welcome back to amazing business radio
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me. I I love, you know, dinner was awesome. It was great catching up with you as well. And I'm looking forward to our chat today. So thanks for having me.
1: Awesome. So putting the customer into customer experience, isn't that what we're supposed to do anyway?
0: You would think, right? (laughs) But it's not happening. It really isn't. It's it's crazy. yeah, it's, you know, people, Here, I'll give you an example. I had, uh, I was on a webinar recently and somebody said, but if I focus, or one of the questions in the Q&A was, but if I focus on the customer, won't that take away from my product focus? And I wanted to just bang my head against the wall. Hello, and-
1: <laughs> is anybody, like uh, from, from Back to the Future, hello McFly, yes. is anybody home? Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the customer, right? That's the crazy part. It really is.
1: Well, I mean, you wouldn't have a product that a customer wouldn't want to buy. And tell me if your product is any different than what they can buy elsewhere. I mean, maybe if it's a truly unique product, maybe you're in a special circumstance. But most people sell something that other people or other companies can also sell. And, uh, you know, so what is it, you know, with these companies? They're just not figuring out. Now, by the way, this is not every company. I mean rock yeah, star right. companies, we know who they yep. are we're that's who raises the bar for everyone
0: right, right, so well,
1: when you talk to this person at this company, what do you tell them
0: <laughs> i I do say I, it's hard it's hard because you know first you have to pick your job off the floor and then you you know then you <laughs> have to say. <laughs> <laughs> really, you don't get it. I, it's crazy. It really is, but it. But I do. I, I tell them. You know what? It's all about the customer. You've got to weave the customer into everything you do. You've got to understand what you know. What the customers' pain points are. What the pro, What problems are that they're trying to solve. What jobs they're trying to do. That's the only way that you're going to design a product or an experience or a service that's really going to be something that customers want to buy and need to buy and, and help them, right? So yeah, it's it's insane. But but it's a message that I find myself repeating day in and day out for sure.
1: All right. So you know, I know that when I work with clients, I'm gonna say ninety percent or more are clients that are already getting it. Uh, they're just trying to refine mm-hmm. what they do, make it a little bit yep. better. But once in a while I get that ten percent out there, maybe it's even less than that, to go, you know what, we are in trouble. We need to turn this thing around. So whether you're turning it around or, or just trying to stay at the top of your game, what what do we need to do to start becoming more uh, customer centric? Because as I looked at you know our write up on what we're going to do today, putting the customer into customer experience, uncovering the cornerstone of customer centricity, what is that cornerstone?
0: Well, first I want to say I want those ninety percent that you have because I seem to get all the ten percent. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I suppose that's a good thing, you know, job security or whatever you want to call it. But (laughs) well, so anytime that we, you know, that we want to make improvements or we want to create a product or anything like that, it really has to be grounded in, you know, data and insights and customer understanding. And customer understanding comes or or can be achieved in three different ways. I I call it listen, um, characterize and empathize. Um, Those are the three main things. Right. Listen is all about. Surveys, um, customer listening posts, however you listen, um, and and data, right? Feedback um, characterizes about personas, developing personas, and and. Um, we can get into that a little bit more, but a lot of companies think that you know it's okay to design an experience or 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 think about the customer as you know a target demographic or as a segment. And we can't design experiences for segments and target demographics. And then empathize is the third one, and that's all about walking in your customer's shoes. So of course that's all about journey
1: mapping. So it's been a long time since I've used this line, but if you you know you walk in the customer's shoes the nice thing is after you've walked a mile you're so far away they can't hear what you're going to say about
0: them <laughs> i love that <laughs> so,
1: so you know you mentioned data and insights and customer understanding yep. and that starts with your number one point which is listen yeah
0: yeah absolutely so what do you suggest
1: oh. we do do we send out surveys because i'm going to warn you uh, i just interviewed a, a Person we just mentioned Sam Stern. He said, "Oh, I know Sam yep. from Forrester," and we talked about the right survey and the wrong survey. We talked, and, and you know, I actually wrote an article. I liked this so much, I wrote about the new end. Um, the mm. new. Do you know about? Uh, th- was it Think Fast? Oh gosh, um, it's uh, Kahneman's book. Um, anyway, and he talked about peak, the peak in the end, meaning most right. people judge you based on the peak part of the experience and then the very end and then you know after it ends really strong two days later you send them a 20-minute survey you want them to take
0: (laughs) right and you just created the new end. yeah exactly
1: you killed the end
0: (laughs) you know what here's the funny thing too is because the surveys are part of the customer experience, right? I I think a lot of companies don't think about that. It's another touch point. So it is part of the experience too. So yeah, you can really kill it with a, with a 20 minute survey. So there, you know what, here's, here's what I say. You can ask and you can listen, right? So asking is about surveys and interviews and those kinds of things. And they're not dead, but they're certainly, you know, people are, you know, to your point, they're just frustrated with them and, and you get surveyed for anything, you know, it's, Go to the library and you get surveyed. You go to the doctor, you get surveyed. You go to the store, you get surveyed. It's insane. But um, but you can ask and you can also listen. And this is a big thing that's happening now, right? People or are, are companies are spending a little bit more time listening. Um, and that's in terms of, you know, uh, being out on social media and, and being where your customers are. It's online reviews. It's voice of the customer through the employees. So customers providing feedback to employees, maybe on a support call or something like that. Those kinds of things and being where customers want to be when they or being where customers are when they want to provide feedback. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the way to get around, you know, the survey fatigue and, and just bombarding customers with surveys. So Because they will. They'll leave feedback elsewhere. So you've just got to be there, and you've just got to find it. You've got to know where they're doing
1: Yeah. Back. In other words, uh, here, two words, pay attention. Yes. Uh, because if you <laughs> pay attention, there's a lot you can learn from behaviors, from little side comments. And if you're talking to somebody – Ask them a specific question. By the way, I want to applaud American Airlines. I know Delta does it too, but when I call them, they ask, would you be willing to stay on the phone for a quick one-question survey? Right. And the one question requires me to push either one or two for my answer, I believe. Interesting. And the question is, was the experience you had with your agent, or based on the experience you have with the agent, would you want that agent to take care of you mm, the next time yeah. you called? Holy cow. Yeah. Yes or it, it, no?
0: <laughs> gives you and it gives you a lot of information right there. Not enough, but it does give you a lot of information. Well it so. gives
1: you a start. And by the way, it's with as start, many yeah. as many questions or excuse me, as many customers as someone like American Airlines has, you can change up that question. And Absolutely. maybe that rotates in a series of five or six yep. questions to give you other insights. And, uh, but Absolutely. I just thought that was a brilliant question based on that experience. How did you like the person that took care of you? So yep. very cool. Yep. At least it's, then, it's you know, you know, you're hiring good people and, and you say, okay, that's a rock star. He or she always gets great. Um, you know, the, the answer always great. So what are they doing? And let's start hiring more people like them. And like I mean, that. yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so anyway, back to listen. Any other ideas you want to shed on that one before we jump into characterize?
0: Um, no, I think that's, that's the big thing. The other thing, I guess one other thing that I've add to that is, you, you know, companies have so much data about their customers that they're capturing data along the journey. Anytime somebody buys from you, interacts with me, you, your website, whatever it is, that's another form of listening to you. You know, there's a lot of data there that you can then use to really understand the experience. And it might not be um, you know, attitudinal, but it tells you a lot about where customers have been and, and what they're doing when they're interacting with you. So um, use what you're already capturing in your in your systems.
1: Right. So listen really isn't about physically listening with your ear. It's about yep. paying attention, back paying to those two yeah. words, to any and every opportunity to learn about what your customer's thinking and doing, watching their doing, behavior yep. is huge. You know what we're going to do before we talk about characterize? We're going to take a short That's break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about characterize, empathize, and probably two or three other things that our audience absolutely needs to learn from the amazing Annette Franz. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening and don't forget to always be amazing.
0: You're listening to Amazing Business Radio
1: with best-selling author and customer service and business expert Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Annette Franz and amazing, the amazing Annette Franz, the double (laughs) A. Hey, so we talked about listening and you can listen, you can hear, you can uh, observe. Listening is just a word, it's kind of the word to to catch it all anything and everything that you can learn about your customer we're going to talk about characterize now which is where you said you're going to research your customers you talked about personas um, to represent the different types of customers or prospects that you might have so let's let's get into that
0: all right okay so personas so i I, as i mentioned earlier you know one of the things about personas is is that they're really necessary it's research-based like you said it personifies your you know your um most likely prospects and your your customers right your custo- not customer segments not target demographics we don't want to look at that too high level um i i always use the example of this one brand that uses um their Target demographic is men eighteen to forty nine, and I think about I think about that, and I think what does an eighteen year old man have in common with a forty nine? I can't even even imagine. Oh, I could tell you it. a
1: few things, but with it, <laughs> <Well, okay. the, laughs>
0: that's a different show. It is a different show.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> so, but but I no, before you get into this personas, define the actual term because I know what it is. Yep. You know what it is. A persona is?
0: A persona is a representation of your... Customers, Uh, you know, it's a it's a research-based representation of your ideal prospect or a customer or the customers who buy from you. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple uh, personas um, that an organization have. You know, 10, 15, you know, something crazy like that. You can have that. Most of them, you know, they tend to try to focus on just a few, three to five personas, um, because those are sort of your key. Um, customer groupings, the customers who have similar you know, preferences and likes and, and needs and, and pain points and problems they're trying to solve and jobs they're trying to do, all grouped together in one. I'll give you an example. I had a client years ago that I worked with, a furniture rental company, and they had three key personas. One of them was students, one of them was military, and the other one was um, – oh, my gosh, I'm going to just <laughs> – like relo corporate reload, right so those are three different customer types who need to rent furniture for you know whatever reason but each one had different needs different um, problems to solve it, it was a totally different experience as you can imagine if it's a student you're going to have the parent involved most likely if it's a military you're going to have um, uh, military uh, is going to be involved if it's a relo you're going to have the corporate reload department involved so it's Total different um, experiences and different people involved in those interactions and those transactions. So, um, but they are again, they're research based and they are. They're what your customers, we need to use to, yeah, or your, your or your prospects
1: and- that you're going after.
0: Yeah, they are. And they're, and they're as close as we can get, you know, personal, as you know, personalization is is the big thing right now, but they're about when we're designing the experience for our customers, we can't design an experience for each individual. Yes, we will personalize, but that's a whole different thing, right? As, as a, corporate initiative as we're trying to design experience for our customers. This is what's gonna bring us closest to who our customers actually are so that we can design an experience that meets their needs. And from there, we can take it down a notch and then personalize for the individual. So, but um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's what personas are. There's a difference between the personas, the buyer personas that marketing uses and the design personas that um, you know the customer experience and the UX folks use, right? Buyer personas are very high level. They are focused on, you know, who who the person is, demographics and preferences and why they buy and those kinds of things. Whereas, you know, taking it, <clears throat> excuse me, taking it to the uh, design personas, we go a little bit deeper and we really want to understand um, what the customer is doing, thinking, feeling, hearing, seeing, saying, what their goals are, what their pain points are, what their problems that they're trying to solve, those kinds of things. So We get into a little a lot more detail about who um, the customers really are in those design personas because it brings us closer to designing experience that's going to meet their needs
1: right so i, I i'm going to put it to the audience in real simplistic terms uh, let's say you manufacture shoes you've got uh, different like well I, nike adidas or adidas depending on what part of the world you're from uh, you know you've got running shoes you've got soccer or football shoes you've got basketball court shoes and if you find somebody's buying your running shoes you're probably not going to promote court shoes to them right right? or you know shoes with cleats to them so you've divided your customers up based on the types of shoes they buy hence those are your different personas i think that's an easy way of putting it and when you start to understand these different personas you can target you know specific promotions, experiences to these people, and they go, "Wow, they're talking to me because they know what I want, and they're not right. confusing yeah. me with the other personas."
0: And, and I'll and I'll and I'll actually take it down one level further and say, you know, the design personas. If you look at sort, of it, if you look at that runner, you know, you might have a distance runner and you might have a sprinter, right? So they're different shoes, you know. So there's different products, for, you know, that you're going to design for those different personas.
1: Mm -hmm. So, all right, empathize. Empathize. The third one.
0: This is my my favorite topic, I think. (laughs) Um, Empathize is all about, like I said, walking in your customer's shoes, and it is really all about journey mapping. Um, And the cool thing is is that those other two, listening and characterizing, you know, the feedback, the data, and the persona data and the personas, both feed into journey mapping. So that's a really cool thing. And that's sort of a real sort of full circle of how we make uh, customer understanding, really the cornerstone of customer centricity.
1: Wow. All right. So very important part of it. And yes. uh, you, you, your goal is, as you start to, and we're going to get into journey mapping, because that's what you're best known for, is your, you, you help your clients map out the customer's journey, thinking like the customer. This whole okay. empathy thing is really about understanding your customer at a whole other level. Yep. It really
0: is. It's it not really taking map, a guess
1: at it. It's knowing. No,
0: no it's not. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the job of the maps, right? It is to, to you know, tell the customer story. It's a timeline. It tells the customer story and helps to build empathy for the struggles that they go through as they're, you know, interacting with your brand.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I jokingly say you can't take a chance, but you really can't. And I think many companies make the mistake of thinking they know what their customers want. yet What their customers Absolutely. want is something else. By the way, The reason they think they know what their customers want is because customers buy it from them. But, you know, if you really understood what they wanted, you might be able to give them an even better experience.
0: Something better, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree.
1: So how does all this tie into the map, the big map?
0: So, well, a couple things about about journey mapping, first of all, right? So I guess I'll just talk a little bit about um, why we map customer journeys. And by the way, everything that we're talking about here today also applies to employees too so um, it applies to employees it applies to any constituent of the brand right vendors um uh, franchisees uh, licensees uh, any partner it all applies if you want to have a great experience for your entire ecosystem this all applies to to all of those um, constituents so um but why we map so there's a there's I sum it up in about five different reasons. I have a bunch of others, but I kind of sum it up in five. Number one is to understand the experience because, you know, there's no better way to really understand what's going right and what's going wrong uh, until you use this powerful tool and process. By the way, journey mapping is a tool and a process. We can talk about that in a second. But um, so. So really to understand the experience. And then they help us to design new experiences and better experiences. They help us really to rethink the processes and, and the steps that we put our customers through today and then force us to redesign the experience. And, and hopefully you're, you'll are you be redesigning the experience with your customers. Um, they help us, they then become the blueprint for the new experience. So now you've got it all, you know, the new experience designed and laid out. And so you've now got this map as a blueprint for, Um, for designing the new experience. Uh, And then beyond that, they sort of have loftier goals. (laughs) Number one is, is, you know, they're great communication and training tools for employees, right? So once the map is done, you can, and you've designed the new experience, you can then use that to train employees on the current state experience and then train them on the future state experience so that they understand you know, what the experience is that they're going to deliver. The other thing is, is that maps can help to align the organization around the customer. So journey maps are a great way to get executive commitment, for example, um, for your CX transformation work. I have a a great example of a client that I worked with in the past whose CEO sat in on, it was an eight-hour workshop, and they sat in, um, or he sat in, I should say, for an hour, and we debriefed afterward, and he was just amazed. He was actually, he was appalled (laughs) at the experience. They put, I I think, you know, executives, unfortunately, are sometimes so far away from the actual experience that's being delivered, which is why Undercover Boss is such an amazing right. thing to I do, Right. I love that show. I know. <laughs> I do, too. Because, you know, every time they're floored by what they see and what their employees are doing and, and what, you know, how they're operating, it's it's amazing. It really does. So anyway, so, so he sat in for an hour. We debriefed with him and the CMO, who was the person overseeing and, and trying to, you know, champion the. Transformation initiative throughout the organization. Um, she got the resources the next day. She, he he was like, "Yeah, let's fix this. We need to fix this." So because you can so see it,
1: is, it, you can see it right there, and absolutely. it's in on you know, for lack of a better term, it's black and white. It's probably color yeah. because there's lots of colors and lots cool things you notes. can do. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you get to see where every single interaction point yeah. is with the customer, yeah. and, and behind the scenes, what might be going on. You know, mm-hmm. that's driving those points. And I can't yeah. emphasize how important. Your job is to all of us, what you do in that is important to all of us and supporting and creating and understanding the journey that the customer takes. And you know what? It's every company has its own version of a journey map. Even if there are two retailers that sell the same thing, there's probably a different culture and a different process that some of them go through which creates a different journey. And uh You know, and you and I briefly talked about my new book, *The Convenience Revolution*, which is about eliminating friction. And we start to look at the different friction points that customers go through. Well, gosh, you know, it's that's important. So
0: the the maps are a great way to identify those friction points. They really are, you know. So it's it's very cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and for everybody listening, just make sure you get the book because it is a a pretty amazing book. So your Um, book. One other. (laughs) <laughs> your book oh
1: well thank you i i you know <laughs> you're too sweet all right so one other thing and then i'm going to get into my one thing wrap it all up question
0: okay okay the other the other thing that i think is really important about the maps and and this is important because i think a lot of people really think that the customer experience is all about what happens at the front line right That the front line uh, the you know the agent, the retail employee, whoever is face-to-face with the customer, are, those are the people who deliver the customer experience, and the maps really give employees a clear line of sight to the customer. It's the back office folks who are doing just as much to impact the experience as the frontline folks are. They're, you know, the, you know, think about the billing folks, you know, if I have a billing issue, I'm going to call a customer service, right? I don't typically call billing, that's a very rare situation where that happens, but it, but. The, it allows the folks behind the scenes who are designing the products, who are who are designing the invoices, and, and all the folks behind the scenes who don't touch customers on a day to day basis to say, oh yeah, I do impact the experience, and ah, that's how I do it. So yeah, it's that's the final thought on why Journey Maps are such a powerful tool and a powerful process.
1: Powerful tool. Now, before we get into the one thing question, how do we reach you right. to learn more about what you do and how you can help our listeners?
0: So my website is um, cx-journey.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter at Annette Franz.
1: Ah, F-R-A-N-Z.
0: F-R-A-N-Z, yes.
1: Awesome. All right. The one thing question. One thing you want to emphasize, or is there one little nugget you go, you know what, I absolutely need to make sure that our listeners hear this. What is that?
0: This is so important. Don't forget about your employees. Employees come more first. Employees drive the customer experience so make sure that you focus on your employees and focus on delivering a great experience for them and like I said earlier all of these things that I just talked about today can be applied to employees as well
1: yes so don't just put them first put them more first Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I didn't. I did
0: not make that up. That comes from Hal Rosenbluth, um, and and I love that. When I saw that, I was like, absolutely. Because we always talk about putting customers first, but employees need to be just a little more first. <laughs> yeah, I
1: love it. Yeah, what's happening on the insides felt on the outside by the customer.
0: Absolutely. And, absolutely.
1: And uh, you know, I was just talking to a client. Uh, a few gosh an hour or two ago and we talked about the whole alignment thing and I mm-hmm. took them through the five what I call the cults of the customer which is based on the book cult of the customer right and five cults or five phases and basically uncertainty alignment experience ownership and then they're in amazement. And I said, but what's interesting is that employees have to go through this right before the customer does. Hence, yep. Yep. The customers are first, but employees are more first, and they get it Absolutely. first. And it can't happen without them knowing it and getting it. Annette, it as cannot. as always, you are amazing, and I love talking to you. You've got so much to share. Uh, thank you so much for being back on our show.
0: Thanks for having me. This is great. There are so many more things we could talk about, but we this will. Awesome. We're going to talk. We're going to bring. You're going to be like
1: one of the few regulars. Aww. Why not? Why you. not? You, you absolutely you've got it down. I mean, I listened to you. when we were together in L.A. I'm thinking, I've got to bring you in with some of my clients. This is awesome. The the things yeah. that you're talking about and and the concepts and the strategies. So anyway, highly the my highest endorsement to Annette Franz for anybody out there that's listening that Thank needs you. some support and this kind of work, she's the one to go to. All right, everyone, that wraps it up. Another week of Amazing Business Radio. I hope you enjoyed this interview. I know I did. That's why we call it Amazing Business Radio. So we'll be back next week with another interview and more information that you can use to improve the customer experience that you have with not only your customers but also your employees because we know that customers might be first but employees are more first. Thank you, Annette, for that, and thank you, Hal Rosenbluth, for that. And, uh, until next week, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.